to the podcast of the International Youth Conference. Today's topic is social distance and distrust. Hello everyone, my name is Amelia and welcome to the first podcast of the International Youth Conference. We are in the process of preparation of the upcoming 18th International Youth Conference and we will be covering different kind of topics which are uh, interesting and uh, burning for the young people in the region. Today with me is Katerina Kolozova, full professor and uh, of philosophy and political science and senior researcher at the Institute of uh, so, social Sciences and Humanities of Skopje. Katarina, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm dealing with some technical smaller issues, but other than that, uh, than that fine. I'm with you now. So, uh, yes, I heard the question uh, on the presentation. Uh, I was absent just for a quick moment to plug in my charger. So the question is uh, about uh, solidarity in time of uh, times of uh, COVID crisis and uh, social distances, distancing as something uh which kind of goes hand in hand with solidarity right mm-hmm. uh, uh, the problem with uh, the notion of uh, solidarity since it emerged as one of the central values uh, promulgated as um, kind of a global, let's say, uh, social consensus uh, or contract, even a basis for a new contract, I would say, uh, uh, of dealing with the threat of the pandemic globally. So uh, central value or the central value of this sort since the beginning has been the notion of solidarity. Uh, The notion of solidarity is uh, something that can be thought, conceived and used in all sorts of uh, different ways. Uh, It depends on who uh, pronounces uh, uh, the term from what position and uh, from which position in uh, in terms of social power and political power and for what purposes. Uh, uh, I, uh, for one thing, am uh, always uh, skeptical or wary uh, when it is the state, so those in power, government uh, who appeal to solidarity uh, um, to the citizens, to the entire nation, to entire nations as uh, so to the, they appeal to all these masses of people through the value of solidarity in order to invite compliance with uh, the policies of the state uh, in dealing uh, with uh, the crisis, with that which causes the state of emergencies, in this case, the, the pandemic, the pandemic uh, crisis. 
uh, uh, I mean, I'm no anarchist and I don't think that we should disobey the, the rules of the governments. I'm no um, anarchist uh, indeed, I mean, in principle, not just regarding this issue. So, and I'm not even uh, that much of a, a liberal uh, to oppose uh, lockdowns if necessary, to oppose the strong role of the state if necessary. I can understand that it is sometimes necessary and we have to comply with it. And we have to understand these uh, rules uh, as conditions for the state to be the enabler of the preserving of our public health. I understand that and I respect that. But in situations like that, we have to make clear that we are first of all complying with the requests of the state. Uh, we, Since it is a state of emergency, we cannot uh, be way too critical to, to throw off balance the, uh, uh, the state, the society, uh, the normality that is uh, maintained with uh, uh, extra effort on the part of the state. So uh, that's why our questioning of the policies of the state has to be kind of reserved, cautious. So uh, there should be a discussion, but there shouldn't be such protests like the ones we have in Berlin right now. So uh, what I'm saying is I'm even slightly conservative in that uh, respect. And yet again, I have to be critical toward the Macedonian civil society during the COVID crisis because uh, it did not, uh, or uh, with, uh, no, it did not with a, very, uh, a number of very rare exceptions. It did not question the policies. It did not uh, question uh, the, how proportionate they were. Uh, the question of excessiveness of certain measures of re restriction, the question of sacrificing uh, civil uh, liberties in the name of uh, prevention uh, from the spreading of the, the disease, the prevention of the, the health catastrophe. Uh, so the fact that uh, there was no questioning whatsoever whether the measure were proportional, whether they were excessive, whether uh, some of them were perhaps not even necessary or did not quite make sense in terms of containing the pandemic, but sometimes seemed like uh, simply an in, uh, insensitive totalitarian mode of dealing with um, uh, the problem uh, since 
there were blanket measures like everybody is quarantined from this to this hour uh, everybody uh, is quarantined from this to this day uh, uh, everybody uh, regardless of their disease uh, unless a question of uh, life and death are not going to go to the hospital but somehow deal with the pain themselves because we have the emergency of the COVID crisis. So we did have this excessive uh, uh, restrictiveness uh, and uh, complete disregard for certain social groups uh, in, in terms of public health. Uh, I would call them social groups, you know, people with chronic diseases, with cancer, with other diseases. These are also social groups because uh, public health is a social category uh people with dementia uh, depressed people all of these categories of people or people with different specificities like i don't know victims of home violence uh, whatever there are so many societal and individual uh, uh, exceptions that ought to be respected but were not quite in most of the time uh, during the the crisis and the state of emergency so um, as i said at the beginning i am kind of conservative i'm not even too liberal i am for lockdowns i am in favor of uh, certain restrictions in order to contain the uh, contain the pandemic but on the other hand one must not allow that these measures are excessive and finally reaching to the point about the civil society one must not allow a civil society that is in solidarity with the state but not with the society uh, there cannot be an equation between the state and the society if we do that ex uh, equation we are ending up in a totalitarian mode we are speaking the uh, language of Viktor Orban uh, uh, his party himself are the incarnation of the Hungarian nation. So that's the logic, the reasoning of the liberal democrats, uh, this is what he calls himself, or the totalitarians or authoritarians, call it what you will. Authoritarians uh, ruling uh, right-winning, authoritarians ruling through populism. So this is their logic. Uh, solidarity and complete collapse identification of the nation with the ruling party and with the state so no solidarity absolute solidarity with the state and complete support for the state in enacting the measures is not the job of a civil society a civil society should be a watchdog to the government even in times of crisis uh, a responsible civil society could know and recognize the limits, of course, of uh, their critique, because it's a state of emergency or state of exception, uh, can recognize those limits, but still within those limit, limits mark uh, the disproportionality of the measures and criticize them. 
To sum up, I finished two international studies, most of them regional, uh, concerning not just uh, Western Balkans, but the widest Southeast Europe. In both of those studies that are about to be published, uh, it appears that uh, North Macedonia was the only country where the civil society did not perform any role whatsoever with a handful, handful, literally four exceptions of monitoring and being a watchdog for the civil rights and liberties uh, in defense of the citizens and uh, as, uh, as a kind of a monitoring uh, instance uh, and yeah, a watchdog um, fulfilling a watchdog role toward the, the government, that thing has not existed in Macedonia during the uh, COVID crisis uh, state of emergency. Uh, mainly we're talking about spring and uh, throughout Southeastern Europe, we are literally uh, the only exception where you can Finally, uh, ha hardly find any example of the civil society performing its role of a watchdog. So yes, solidarity with the society, with the citizens, uh, uh, understanding and support for the citizens that cannot be uh, proportionately uh, treated or the state fails to proportionately treat, uh, treat them considering their specific social uh, needs or individual needs. So civil society, first of all, in solidarity with the, the people, with the regular citizens, with the society. Second of all, of course, support for the general uh, policy of the government, uh, since it's a state of exception, but also inside of this support allowing creating a space of critique and opening up a debate i'm sorry but nobody in this country none of the uh, human rights organizations or any other think tank or uh, activist uh, movement or individual okay with the exception of some individuals raise the question as to why Macedonia was one of the, the eight countries uh, that uh, derogated from the European Charter, Charter of Human Rights during the COVID crisis. And on most counts, we are top, um, uh, top one on the number of counts from which we derogated. Then you, you have Serbia, then you have uh, Albania, then Bosnia that uh, uh, later on retreated, and a couple of former Soviet republics. That says a lot. All the other European countries found a way to uh, enforce a state of uh, emergency while not derogating from the European Charter of Human Rights. This question was never opened uh, within our civil society, which is symptomatic. Uh, now I would like to proceed with one term which was very popular in the past period, social distancing. So according to your opinion, whether it's more important to talk about social distancing or physical distancing, 
whether the social distancing term, usage of the term of the social distancing was misused during this, this uh, crisis. Uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, symptomatic that so many opted for the word social distancing, although it turns out that uh, we are kind of also ending up being socially distant, distanced from one another. For example, my daughter finished her second year of high school online without seeing her peers. She will continue online without seeing her peers. I am in favor of uh, online uh, learning for, for, for the upcoming year because uh, there was because we don't know what's going to happen in the uh, fall, winter. So I guess it's safe to, to do that. So here is another example. I can accept and affirm a measure uh, imposed by, by the government, but that does not prevent me from criticizing certain aspects uh, of uh, not so much the measure, but the effects that it will have uh, on the society and find to propose uh, find ways to counter those uh, negative effects uh, so the point is uh, for uh, the point is that uh, whether we like it or not the physical distancing thing is ending up being social distancing this is why I gave the example with uh, the school on the other hand, it's uh, kind of apparent that for the time, time being, uh, online, online schooling work for those for, whose, uh, for, who that, uh, for whom that is an option, it's a possibility, is uh, the best way to go uh, about uh, the pandemic, at least for the time being, at least until winter. We will see um, about later on. Uh, but uh, what we need to take into consideration and uh, kind of find ways to resist the negative effects of this policies as far as our the social tissue is concerned. Um, so the things that we should criticize in order not to, for these policies not to affect the, the health of the social uh, uh, of the tissue of the society uh, i was talking about are the following uh, first of all the physical distances this distancing should be uh, understood as uh, as a necessity uh, with reg uh, ad hoc necessity, ad hoc necessity with regard to the current uh, crisis, which is not going to last for forever. We should be aware that the physical distances, distancing sometimes means, uh, um, amounts to social distancing. And at that point, we should be critical about it or we should perform the role of watchdogs uh, with regard to this negative effect. Uh, considering the physical distancing amounts to social distancing and uh, people being more atomized during the crisis, uh, 
we should advocate for all sorts of alternative measures in order to keep a community and keep a, uh, and keep some social interaction uh, offline as well. For example, if it's not uh, possible and it's not advisable indeed to, uh, I don't know, start the schools with you know, in the normal way, offline with full capacity, etc. And it is not. And if it is recommended, and I agree with the recommendation that most of the teaching process goes on online. So, so if we agree, and I do agree with that principle, that does not mean that we should remain blind to the fact that uh, the children are being atomized and uh, uh, social distancing, social alienation uh, is taking place. And this should be countered. For example, uh, I don't know, once a week they could perhaps meet in some open space for some kind of informal workshop that will be, you know, organized according to certain protocols. So, I don't know, several groups of workshops once a week around the project or whatever, uh, simply to keep the group and the unity and the sense of community uh, in place. Uh, so, what I am proposing is complying with uh, the state policy of online learning. I am in favor of that, but considering the adverse effects of social distancing, uh, I'm proposing some alternative modes of enabling the students to get together offline in safe, safe circumstances, I don't know, twice, twice a month or something like, like that, simply to prevent uh, the physical distancing from, from becoming a real social, social distancing. And secondly, I would like to ask you, uh, what do you think, how mentality of different nations in the region caused or brought this solidarity in crisis? Um, I'm so much uh, against the use of this uh, term because uh, it's a vague term. Uh, and it's used vaguely, mm -hmm. uh, it's used by uh, politicians, it's used in everyday uh, conversation, it's uh, full of uh, stereotypes, uh, so racism and auto-racism, I would say. Uh, mentality is uh, something that can be studied scientifically. It can be studied scientifically from a, a, a psychological point of view, uh, insofar uh, as society can be studied from a psychological point of view, but I think that this approach is uh, limited. It can be studied from the aspect of anthropology or cultural studies, cultural anthropology or cultural studies, interdisciplinary uh, in an inter interdisciplinary way but my point is it's a subject matter of a certain science and I oppose uh, the arbitrary use of this term mm -hmm. the, the way it's used is uh, the following in translation it is uh, this 
the way it has been used during the crisis precisely to justify the, the excessiveness of uh, the measures. Uh, the mentality is inferior. The mentality of, the, of this nation uh, is, uh, I don't know, comes down to lack of intelligence because we do not know how to take care of ourselves and we're uh, ready to risk our lives out of uh, inability to understand that we can transmit the virus. I mean, that's pretty insulting. No nation, no culture, no mentality is that either um, idiotic, pardon my French, or uh, suicidal. So none of the people here are uh, either idiots or, uh, you know, group uh, suicide squads or whatever to go against the measures if those measures are um, presented in a logical way and if the people are convinced in the measures. Um, my point is that uh, uh, the people are in fact, and one should keep that in mind, that too much disciplining, too much treating an entire nation as a child, uh, infantilizing uh, an entire nation of adults and uh, rendering them um, or presenting them as completely incapable of uh, taking care of themselves, therefore the state will uh, enforce care for them and it will enforce it through authoritarian measures that triggers revolt, that triggers opposition to the measures. Well, then when people are actually fed up with too much restriction, they simply cannot contain uh, 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 the, the, the frustration of being, you know, locked up, controlled, threatened with uh, uh, fines or punishment. They kind of quietly revolt, sometimes through denial, they start uh, they uh, they enter into you know these conspiracy theories you know like uh, this is all fake Bill Gates or you know all all those stories about the huge conspiracy behind the crisis. Uh, well, but people should not be treated as idiots for thinking that. Mm -hmm. That should be taken as a symptom of a certain psychological state. People are fed up with excessive restriction, so they resort to denial. It's not so much stupidity as it's a psychological state, and it's a state of denial uh, because one has to rationalize one, uh, why, does, uh, why one opposes restrictions. And uh, so this is the rationalization they, they find. But the real uh, uh, reason for opposing restrictions is that they simply cannot take it anymore. That there are certain limits uh, of confinement and control that a human being can tolerate. Beyond those limits, uh, one feels, you know, like a, like a captured 
animal, animal in captivity and one simply wants to break away, well, then one becomes <laughs> suicidal, uh, figuratively speaking, of course, I'm not talking literally. Uh, my point is then one opposes the measures even when they make sense because one has had enough. Uh, so that's my point, is instead of talking about the inferiority of uh, the nation and undermining the, the nation, uh, by declaring the mentality as inferior, one should first of all respect the citizens, uh, one should let them take care of themselves because of course everybody is concerned about their health and one, sh one should not uh, impose excessive measures because then they backfire and then the nation gets into denial and then the nation will oppose the measures even when they make sense. I don't know if it's clear what I'm explaining here, but this is a simple dynamic dialectic of uh, every individual or collective psyche. This is how the psyche works. If one goes too far with the restrictions and not explaining them. So rendering uh, the subject of restrictions mute, uh, incompetent, thinking for him or her or them instead of letting them thinking for themselves and so this complete passivization then uh, uh, locking uh, uh, down of the, the subject uh, in the end backfires with an opposition even to the most reasonable measures because one is already fed up so that should be kept in mind. Mm -hmm. very, very inspirational, thank you. And now when we are talking about the pandemic, uh, the pandemic mainly is a biological health threat and mm -hmm. affected very strongly the whole, the whole region, the sea region, the Balkan countries, the world, the world itself. But yet again, old polarizing biases and practices have also survived during this period, meaning that uh, on surface, again, we, we, we have seen a lot of attacks uh, to the citizens, a lot of attacks uh, and discrimination between uh, and polarizing the society. So what do you think is, is the cause of it? Um, we have had uh, one major uh, polarization, which was actually around the, the, the COVID thing. And uh, uh, this polarization kind of divided the people between uh, those who would comply with the state no matter what and those who would uh, oppose. As I said, there was no civil society that opposed or uh, even monitored enough, let alone be a watchdog of the government. Mm -hmm. So I'm letting that, uh, putting that part of the society aside. And when I, I'm talking about the polarized society, I'm thinking about the general population. <clears throat> the Institute I work for, you mentioned at the beginning, the Institute of Social Sciences and Humanities, here in Skopje, performed a um, qualitative study of the social media, uh, kind of like media monitoring and communication studies just adjusted to the social media. 
and we measured the pressure of uh, the citizens uh, toward more restrictive and more authoritarian measures, and then uh, a pressure of the citizens uh, for the uh, opposite. So it's just uh, uh, it's absolutely astounding that the same population at the beginning asked for more, more, more restriction and uh, more repression until a certain point. Uh, as long as the confines, as soon as the confines uh, lasting for several, several days started, the opposition uh, to uh, the, the measures uh, started growing. And we could note that within three weeks, uh, we had a, uh, okay, no, no, perhaps a month, we had a complete reversal. Uh, at the beginning, 80% of the comments, we started just the comments, not the likes, or because it was discourse analysis. Um, so in the beginning, 80% of the, those who commented asked for more and more and more restrictiveness, perhaps because the people were in panic and did not understand what was going on. From one point on, the critique begins. Uh, and we see it under the five major, uh, the posts of the five most important relevant, relevant ministers, ministers we uh, analyzed for this qualitative research and from one point on when people became worried about their economic existence when people started doubting the gravity of the health uh, threat uh, and uh, or when people simply became too psychologically disturbed by all the restrictiveness, uh, one could note the frustration, then the resistance to the authoritarian method or the ex excessive restrictions started. And there we could notice that out of, uh, certain, uh, uh, that among the commentators, there was a group that at the beginning was just, um, opposing the excessiveness and repeating the accusation of, say, police state or something like that. So, some of the uh, part of the group at the end uh, becomes a sub part of that group becomes already a group of deniers. Uh, you know, uh, they enter into denial because they cannot take it anymore. So it's like, oh, there is no such thing, even if it is, it's a, it's not such a big deal. This is a, um, a conspiracy in order to control us. Uh, some of them do believe that there is such thing as a COVID pandemic, but they that it's taken too seriously in order to control the citizens. So um, people became polarized in that sense. Polarized between them. Uh, that's one of the positive things, by the way. Uh, this polarization went beyond uh, party polarization in the country and went beyond the ethnic polarization. There were people from different ethnicities or party affiliations that were agreeing or disagreeing about the excessiveness or um, 
proportionality of the measures. So uh, a certain uh, polarization around this issue precisely was uh, created. And I would say that uh, the society was at that moment divided between uh, or throughout uh, the state of emergency between those who had certain um, threshold, thresholds of tolerance for the restrictions and those who would uh, accept uh, almost uh, anything. So it's a really um, new thing to a uh, new value to be um, if it is still a value the, the, the attitude toward the, the crisis uh, to define uh, this new type of polarization but I would say this was the, the, the major polarizing issue in uh, in this period uh, I could not see the usual political polarization as it uh, I could not notice it at least during the the crisis mm -hmm. as we know it from uh, before um, it, one could notice during the elections some inter-ethnic and intra-ethnic polarizations, but the, uh, uh, polarization, but it was on this higher political level. I, I did not uh, notice that uh, um, among the regular people. So uh, maybe uh, it's a good thing to be polarized around how COVID is handled and uh, social and economical issue uh, be, uh, becoming um, the grounds of uh, unification or social cohesion um, or differences, debate, it does not have to be a polarization, differences simply. Um, all of them motivated around, uh, as I said, socio-economical issues mainly uh, as the result of the crisis. Uh, I mean, it's uh, one um, effect that uh, one did not anticipate, but uh, and one cannot uh, state as uh, insist as uh, you know bound to happen. But if this happens, uh, this uh, would be a positive thing for the social cohesion. We would be for the first time mobilized around something else, which is not ethnicity, which is not a certain political party, which is a wider social issue and which is also globally discussed. And we can also uh, enter global discussions on the same uh, topic. Uh, so that would perhaps uh, be the occasion of forming certain political values, certain social values that will reorganize society, the society around different priorities that were simply prompted by the COVID crisis. And of course, do not come down to the pandemic and the public health only, but go beyond that. And now as a final question, according to, to your opinion, uh, how to how we to move forward or what are the key steps that we need to undertake uh, to our path of social solidarity um, again talking locally or regionally uh, regionally uh, okay. however you feel 
Uh, well, I kept talking about Macedonia mostly, but I don't think that um, it's uh, veering uh, off the topic because, um, as I said, in both of the studies I was part of uh, that concerned the entire region and its handling of the crisis. Uh, the, the situation is more or less the same. When I said the, that the absolute silence, almost absolute silence of our civil society uh, in terms of being the watchdog of the government, in terms of offering some kind of critique and uh, defense of civil liberties, um, the, the Macedonian case is simply the worst or most worrying uh, in terms of this utter silence of the civil society, with, uh, in comparison to the other examples of the other countries of the region. But it is more, the, the measures were uh, excessive throughout the region. Uh, they, uh, the civil society was more or less passive uh, as, as it comes to um, the COVID crisis. The solidarity was immediately, as I said at the beginning, understood somehow falsely uh, a solidarity with the state being equated with the solidarity with the nation, uh, whereas the civil society should remember that its uh, first uh, concern should be the well-being of the society, which does not always coincide with the priorities of the state, and defend those. So I would say uh, for the forthcoming period, uh, there might be lockdowns which are necessary, but we, uh, during those lockdowns, we as a civil society should be the watchdogs of the government and make sure that the measures are proportionate, that the measures are structured multifacetedly to address the individual concerns of the citizens, in individual rights and concerns are not irrelevant. We are not a Borg, we are not one being during the, the, the crisis. We are also individual, no matter how um, unified in some kind of a social solidarity facing the crisis. We are still within this uh, uh, social body of solidarity. We are still inside of it, individuals with our own individual needs and not everything can be categorized in a, uh, a broad um, terms. Uh, we do not all fall under um, this major social categories that uh, the government can uh, predict. Therefore, in order for these uh, individual liberties to be preserved and respected during the future lockdowns, we need, as I said, a structured, multifaceted approach that will allow the citizen to take responsibility of their actions, to choose the time of movement, to decide the, uh, about the level of their priorities, whether they're I don't know, personal, that's also important. Family relations, that's also important. We cannot suppress or er erase that. Um, 
allow them to make uh, to uh, to act according to their best judgment of course those who love their closed ones would not uh, risk uh, their health so simply respect the citizen uh, come up with measures that allow individual judgment to uh, uh, derogate from uh, the confinement as the French call it, derogation from the, the lockdown. Uh, allow, as for example, in, in France, when it was 24-7 quarantine, that the individual citizen decides when to leave the house, to go to the store, to, to go to a pharmacy, to go to a doctor if it's uh, urgent, at the time of their choosing. All of that can be monitored through uh, codes that are issued by the Ministry of Interior, usually. In France, it's the Ministry of Interior, in order to see whether somebody, somebody has exceeded uh, or abused the time. And the, the, the state should not act like a North Korean totalitarian state and I don't know, punish people for five, ten, or five or ten minutes being late when they enact this uh, uh, derogation from uh, confinement, which is actually going out and reporting that you're going out for this or that reason. And you report that through this code that I'm talking about and you state the number of hours that you need for that. And it is expected that it's a reasonable number of hours. So if you're 15 minutes late, uh, 30, uh, 30 minutes late, something could, could have happened. You could have, I don't know, lost your key, for example. I don't know. I'm, let's just uh, uh, simply imagine mm -hmm. all sorts of unimaginable things. Coincidences, uh, one should not be treated as a criminal and find uh, arrested because they were uh, two, 10 minutes early or 10 minutes late with, uh, I don't know, taking their uh, pet for a walk, like the ch child they, they tried to arrest uh, this spring. So that kind of uh, uh, tackling the crisis, heavy-handed, extremely heavy-handed tackling of the crisis should not be the way. There should, there should be lockdowns, there should be measures, technology should be used in order for uh, individual freedoms to be respected and allowed. Um, the, the, the example with the code was simply an example how technologies can be used. And the state should prepare those technology, uh, the technological tools that will enable uh, a free choice of movement during quarantine when necessary, when justified, and it, uh, in a way that can be recorded, monitored, but on the, other way, uh, on the other hand, allows the citizen to choose uh, their priority and their best timing to have at least the, the illusion, if not uh, the reality of a true individual uh, individual choice even the illusion matters for the uh, 
psychological public health. So allow that uh, in spite of the possible uh, lockdowns. And for that, the state needs to prepare technologically and otherwise. If they were able to uh, set up all sorts of uh, online solutions for, uh, for uh, I don't know, all sorts of services during the, the crisis, they are and should be capable to, to handle this thing as well. And uh, that also implies a different mentality. Now I will use the word mentality of the government that will not treat uh, minor um, I don't know, uh, minor, it's not even disrespect of the rule, rules, minor failure of uh, fully abiding to the rules uh, to be treated as a criminal behavior and to heavy handedly tackle them. The state, if it uh, expects solidarity from the society and from the civil society, and uh, but first and for, uh, foremost from the society so the individual citizens should uh, exude trust it should not exude threat it should not exude suspicion toward the uh, i don't know incompetent citizens that they should take care of uh, quite to the contrary they should exude uh, respect for the citizens respect for the individual uh, capacity to take care of themselves and their closer ones, respect for their uh, freedom of choice, when to leave the house and judgment what's an absolute priority. Of course, there will be the limitations here, but the, uh, within this limitation, there should be uh, a possibility of free choice. And every stepping off uh, these limits, uh, should be first looked at something that you know could have happened to any normal person or abnormal regardless any citizen uh, uh, let's not discriminate yeah. uh, to anyone that's the point uh, not immediately treat everybody like a criminal and just uh, strike uh, against them with excessive fining, etc. That's a behavior of a police state, of a undemocratic state, of a state that does not uh, respect the civil and individual liberties. Uh, that should not be the style of the future lockdowns. Uh, lockdowns. There should be a right balance between civil and individual liberties on the one hand and uh, the necessary quarantines, restrictions, etc. on the other hand. So uh, uh, neither complete anarchy nor an excessive uh, uh, authoritarianism, but a good balance between the two. That would be my proposition as to how to move forward. We hope you enjoyed the talk. We are inviting you to apply for the upcoming 18th International Youth Conference, which will happen virtually from 5th till 10th of November.